Buds, welcome to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we are exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, in liberation? What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics and racial capitalism and the beauty of resistance? I am Reverend Kelsey Beebe, pronouns she, her, hers. I am an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ, and I serve as a local pastor at two UCC churches just south of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as well as the executive minister of the nonprofit Dancing Pastor Ministries, and I host the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for progressive Christians. I live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, on the homeland of the Potawatomi peoples alongside Lake Michigan. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014, being led by minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. Let us pray. God of many blessings, we pray today for peace in your world. May each person who is listening today be filled with your love and accompanied by your grace. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds today as we absorb your good news. In your name we pray. Amen. We are reading today from the New Revised Standard Version, and I invite you to listen to these words from Jesus as they are written in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For the Lord is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your God is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, 
and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. My friends, today's passage is really hard. It's hard and it's uncomfortable. And nobody wants to love their enemies or bless those who have mistreated them. Well, maybe you do, but probably after you have done a lot of inner work and therapy. One of the challenging pieces about this scripture is how it has been used historically to perpetuate harm. For example, we talk a lot about this podcast being a resource for undoing or trying to untangle some of the ways white supremacy has seeped into the ways we read scripture. One of the ways white supremacy has seeped into how we understand this particular passage is to say, non-white folks should love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, just like a blanket pass for all the harm that has been done. And I really hope to help untangle some of that today within this podcast, because we need to understand the depth of the harm that has been done and how God calls us to mercy. And mercy is not just a free pass to continue harm. It is something that calls us to remember who we are created in God's image and to consistently reorient us within that truth. So hopefully today's message will help us work through some of that. But I wanted to start by saying this, that historically this passage has continued the harm. And hopefully if we dig a little deeper, we can help not undo some of that harm, but at least not perpetuate it. One of the hardest parts of this passage for me is that its essence is in forgiveness. And forgiveness is a really messy and incredibly complicated process. At first, I was going to say it was a really messy and complicated thing. But as I was typing this out on my laptop, Google Docs suggested the word process instead of thing. And I actually really like the way that fits here, that way of thinking about it, because that's really what it is, right? Forgiveness is a never ending process. It's something we have to return to again and again and again, in the same way that our faith is a faith practice. It's not something we just proclaim and there it is. It's something we come back to again and again. I really used to think of forgiveness as a one-time deal. You know, someone did something to me that hurt me. I forgave them. Maybe we hugged and we moved on until I realized that that was never actually the case. A lot of times we don't actually move on. I've come to understand that forgiveness is ongoing and that sometimes I might forgive someone today, but the anger will return again tomorrow and I'll have to forgive again and same the next day. When working with kids in our children's ministry at my churches, I have used the image of a large cup of water 
So imagine with me, you're holding out your arm straight in front of you, holding a large water glass. When someone does something that hurts you or makes you angry, add water to the glass. It doesn't affect our arm at first, but if we hold onto that glass for a long time, it'll eventually start to feel heavy. Our muscles will start to ache. And if you hold it long enough, you might actually end up dropping it. And how many times has that happened to each of us? When we have held onto our anger and resentment long enough that it causes us to, metaphorically speaking, drop our cup, spilling water and shattering that broken glass all over. Forgiveness is like pouring little bits of that water back out, sometimes just a little bit at a time. It's important to remember, like we talked about at the beginning, that forgiveness isn't just a free pass for continued harm. And I don't think that's Jesus' intention here either. That's not what he's saying. In verse 36, Jesus says, be merciful just as your God is merciful. But here's the thing about mercy and about grace. It both frees us and challenges us. Yes, it is offered to us freely, but there's a a call to action within it. Jesus is consistently reminding us of who we are created in God's image or the Imago Dei. He invites us to recall when God made us and called us good. One thing I appreciate about Jesus is his ability to look into someone's eyes and envision the best possible version of them. He does not define people by the worst possible moments in their lives. Instead, he defines them by who they are as children of God. And then he expects them to act like it. That's the the key puzzle piece right there, right? It's a reorienting of ourselves to act as who we are created to be. That yes, we are offered mercy and then we are called in to love. Which brings me to the practice of restorative justice. This is really what this practice is rooted in. So I want to offer you a definition from restorativejustice.org or the Center for Restorative Justice. Restorative justice views crime as more than breaking the law. It also causes harm to people, relationships, and the community. So a just response must address those harms as well as the wrongdoing. They summarize the practice in this way. There's five points. The first is this. Restorative justice is a different way of thinking about crime and our response to crime. Number two, it focuses on repairing the harm caused by crime and reducing future harm through crime prevention. Three, it requires offenders to take responsibility for their actions and for the harm they have caused. Four, it seeks to redress, it seeks redress for victims, recompense by offenders, and reintegration of both within the community. And fifth, it requires a cooperative effort by communities and the government. Within the transcript, there is a link to the Center for Restorative Justice website and in the show notes as well. So I hope that you go and look into them more because they will define it better than I can explain their work better than I can. But what I appreciate about restorative justice is that it sees the perpetrator of harm as a human being who has done wrong or caused harm. First and foremost, they are a person. They are not a wrong or awful human being. It's them saying, 
if you have done something wrong, caused harm, you are not inherently bad. You have made a bad choice. It says you are not the worst thing you have ever done, and you still have the capacity within you to change. So often when people cause harm, we dehumanize them. We stop thinking of them as people and see them instead as monsters. And I do believe that we do that sometimes in order to protect ourselves. That especially in deeply egregious acts of harm, sometimes that is the best way to protect ourselves. But what restorative justice calls us to do and what Jesus calls us to do is to look deeper, to see the person behind the action. And I want to pause here and offer a side note that there are horrendous acts of violence and harm. And these conversations about forgiveness and mercy and humanizing people, these are incredibly nuanced conversations. And I do not intend to minimize the awful harm folks have experienced at the hands of others. So please know if you are in a place or in a position where extending mercy or forgiveness or even seeing another person not as a monster is not possible or safe, please know that is okay, more than okay. Jesus does not wish nor want continued harm for any of us, and nor do I think he would call us to continued relationship with folks who have caused egregious harm. Sometimes loving ourselves or even loving or forgiving another person is holding a very, very, very strong boundary. And like I said earlier, this is really hard and incredibly nuanced. When Christ tells us to love our enemies and bless those who have harmed us, sometimes that blessing looks like cutting off all ties. It really is a Godspeed and goodbye. Sometimes that is the best thing to keep us safe and the biggest act of love. But I want to get back to this idea of mercy and grace. When we are extended grace or mercy, it's not a free pass, like I've said, to continue causing harm. Grace is about showing us the truth of who we are as beloved children of God and calls us to consistently reorient ourselves within that truth, repenting and extending grace over and over and over again. This idea of reorienting is really crucial here because it's about acknowledging when we are out of alignment with who we are, with who God created us to be. I really do believe that all of us are created good and created in God's image in the Imago Dei, but we make some really awful choices and mistakes. We say and do things, even with good intentions, that cause serious and sometimes irreparable harm. When we do those things, we are out of alignment with who God created us to be. And so God extends us grace and God believes enough in us enough to believe we are capable of change. And so we have the opportunity to repent and to reorient ourselves within the truth of who we are and who God created us to be. I think of this often in terms of racial justice work. As a white woman, I have stuck my foot in my mouth more times than I can count saying or doing things out of ignorance. Like many have said, we all swim in the waters of white supremacy and racism. And I know I have said and done things that perpetuate that harm. But I do not believe that I or anyone else am beyond redemption. And it is my capacity to change and to repent 
that is to admit when harm is done and to turn around and to seek forgiveness that keeps me from being irredeemable. I don't think so many people would be doing the work of racial justice and social justice if they didn't believe people were capable of change. So if we are to believe scripture, it tells us that Christ came not to condemn the world, but to redeem the world, which is John 3, 17. This is what gives me hope, that God looks at each and every one of us and loves us so much that God refuses to let us continue causing harm. Rather than continuing a vicious cycle of retribution and vengeance, God holds up a stop sign that says, turn around, love, forgive, show mercy, have compassion. You are capable of change and so is your neighbor. And my God, that is hard. But Jesus never promised easy discipleship. Instead, he guaranteed it would be grueling, like bearing a cross. My friend, I don't have all the answers. There are still people in my life I have to forgive today, tomorrow, and the next day. And I have to forgive myself every day too. And remind myself consistently that we all have the God-given gift of mercy and redemption within us. And so I will close today with something author and activist Glennon Doyle once tweeted. Be brave because you are a child of God. Be kind because everyone else is too. For today's call to action, I invite you to connect with the Center for Justice and Reconciliation. They are internationally renowned as experts in the field of restorative justice, and you can find their work and learn more at restorativejustice.org which will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript. They provide opportunities for learning, including an incredible tutorial about what restorative justice is and what it looks like, and examples of where it has been implemented successfully, everywhere from local schools to in response to genocide. It's really, really incredible, and I hope you connect with them. Again, it's the Center for Justice and Reconciliation, and they can be found at restorativejustice.org. And I'll be sure to link that in our show notes. Special thanks to our incredible sound editor, Claire Hitchens, who makes magic every week putting these podcasts out. And now, my friends, I invite you as we close to receive this blessing. May you go forth forever sustained by God's love and grace. May you know that you are not beyond God's redeeming, that you are forgiven, you are loved, and you are enough. Go forth blessed by the one whom we call creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Thanks be to God. Amen. Shine,